Hello, Dork Squad. I'm Jonathan Cormer, and you're listening to Dork Tales Storytime, the podcast for kids and their pop culture-loving grown-ups. And this is an inspiring story about a hidden hero of history. It's a beautiful day for a story, adventure and glory, new friends and old ones too. It's an excellent day to get swept away in a tale, so let us regale you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Reg, it's just you and I here right now. The captain? Aren't you the captain, Reg? The captain has turned on the fastened seatbelt sign. If you haven't done so already, please be seated, unplug all of your electronics, and stow your carry-on luggage beneath the seat in front of you. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Let me put my phone away. Hang on. Okay. Please make sure your seat back and folding trays are in their full upright position. Uh, double-checking. Looking good so far. The flight attendants will be doing a final sweep of the cabin to make sure we're prepared for takeoff. (laughs) So, uh, you're just going to look right behind you and uh, make sure my seat is upright, Reg? The local time at our destination of Atlanta, Texas, is the morning of January 26, 1892. Ooh, I'm raring to go, Captain Reg. Should you have any questions, please do not hesitate to ask. The captain loves and encourages curiosity. Ah, curiosity, the true spark of adventure. We hope you enjoy today's in-flight entertainment, the tales of amazing heroes in the world of aviation. I don't think there's any in-flight entertainment I'd enjoy more. Welcome aboard, and thank you for flying Brave Aviator Airlines, where stories take flight. Ready for literary liftoff, Captain? Righto! Now, let's get up in the air! All right, uh, checking all systems, um, uh, making checking the ignition, making sure the wings are all good. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, propellers are all uh, all ready and functioning. Yes, they're all spinning rightly. And um, oh, what does this button do? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, and then here we go. Uh, look like clear skies ahead. Checking the stories of the heroes. Uh, long longitude, long latitude. And here we go. Reg, no! We're flying! We're flying, Reg! I did it! I'm flying a plane! Wait, you've never flown before? This must be how all of my bird friends feel soaring through the air! Yeah, it's always nice to get a brand new perspective. <laughs> Ooh, speaking of, oh yes, we're uh, uh, up here to learn more about some amazing pioneers of aviation. That's right, and the first stop on our tour is 1892 Atlanta, Texas, the birthplace of one of today's hidden heroes of history. Bessie Coleman. 
also known as Queen Bess and Brave Bessie. That's right, and if you look to your right and down, you'll see we've reached her hometown. Oh, wow! <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> we're, we're pretty high up, aren't we? <laughs> oh, don't worry, my friend. I've got everything under control. Oh, I sure hope so. Now, uh, tell me the story of Ms. Coleman. Oh, right. Uh, Ms. Coleman was the first black woman and first Native American to hold a pilot's license, paving the way for future generations to follow their flight dreams. Oh, yes. Now you must get to the part about her daredevil maneuvers. Well, first, let me tell you a bit about what it took for her to become a pilot. Ms. Coleman spent time living in Chicago with her brothers and heard many stories from pilots coming home from World War I. She decided she wanted to take to the sky and applied to many flight schools across the country. But no school would take her because she was both African-American and a woman. How incredibly unjust. I agree, Mr. Reg. But she must have gotten into flight schools somehow. She did. Because she was not allowed into flight schools in the States, Ms. Coleman saved her money, took French language classes, and then traveled to France. And that's where she learned to become a barnstorming pilot? Wait, how do you know about barnstorming, Reg? Well, I heard the word and thought it was some kind of new dance fad I could learn with my farmyard friends. But upon further research, I discovered that it's a form of entertainment in which pilots perform tricks in the air. These stunt pilots might perform individually or in groups, and the groups were called, get this, Flying Circuses. <laughs> what a wonderful name. Yeah, that's right, Reg. Ms. Coleman was a pilot before there was commercial flight so performing stunts was one of the best ways to make a living in aviation. After receiving her pilot's license, she went back to France for advanced training and learned some new tricks, and then went on to perform in very popular air shows. She was renowned, famous, admired. Yeah, she was. She used that fame for good throughout her career. She was committed to promoting the field of aviation and combating racism. She spoke to audiences across the country about the pursuit of aviation for black individuals. And she absolutely refused to participate in aviation events that prohibited the attendance of black Americans. Truly groundbreaking efforts. You can say that again. Truly groundbreaking efforts. What? Oh! <laughs> ah, very funny, Reg, very funny. <laughs> Thank you. Now, let's loop the loop over to Sweetwater, Texas, in 1943, shall we? Uh, loop the loop? Yes, mate. I learned one of Ms. Coleman's famous flying tricks just for our episode today. Hold on to your hat! Oh, but I'm not wearing Whee! a hat! Well done, Reg. Now, uh, please, never do that again. 
Ooh, look over to your right, Jonathan. We've arrived in 1943. Oh, and there is the Wasp training ground, Avenger Field. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp? What? Where? Are they doing flight maneuvers with the Falcon? No, no. Avenger Field, not the Avengers compound. Oh, then... You mean real wasps? They trained hives of wasps for World War II? No, Reg. WASP stands for Women Air Force Service Pilots. Then our next brave aviators must have been part of WASP. They were indeed. Next up, I'm going to share the stories of WASP and two of its members, Hazel Yingli and Maggie G. So now we know you're not talking about the insect, but a group of distinguished pilots. Uh, what exactly did they do? The wasps were stationed at 122 air bases in the United States. They delivered planes from factories to be used in various flight missions, ferrying over 12,000 aircraft throughout World War II. This was vital because it freed over 900 male pilots for combat duty, which was a job that women were prevented from performing during this time. When they weren't flying, the pilots upped their skills, studying navigation, radio communications, and new flying techniques. Oh, I say, that sounds like an important job. How would flight missions proceed without these women? Well, they wouldn't. Even though they flew for the military and did such vital work, wasps were classified as civilians and received no military benefits. They were paid less than their male counterparts and had to pay for their own room, board, and uniforms. Hmm, preposterous. I purchased my aviator accoutrement to look the part for today's episode, and the cost is no joke. Records of the WASP program, like many wartime efforts, were classified and sealed for 35 years. This meant their contributions to the war effort were inaccessible to historians and storytellers like us. But eventually, the WASPs were granted veteran status and were given the Congressional Gold Medal from President Obama. He said, I am honored to sign this bill to finally give them some of the hard-earned recognition they deserve. Oh, incredible! Now tell me more about our two heroes. Well, Hazel Ying Lee and Margaret G were both very fascinated by flight. Ms. G, who grew up in Berkeley, California, would go to the Oakland airport with her family to watch planes take off. She always felt a sense of power around the planes. Yes, I can understand that. They are quite exciting, aren't they? Fun fact, she was also always on the lookout for famous aviator Amelia Earhart, who was often flying out of Oakland during those years. She even saw her once and they waved to one another. Oh, that must have been inspiring for a young person already in love with aviation. Absolutely. When Ms. G grew up, she joined the war efforts alongside her mother, who was a welder. 
Eventually, she bought a car for $25 with a friend and drove to a venture field to train as a pilot. And that is where Ms. Lee ended up as well? Yes. Though they never met, they both followed their love of aviation to the women Air Force service pilots. Of the more than 25,000 women who applied for WASP, Ms. G and Ms. Lee were two out of the 1,074 women who were accepted and who successfully completed the difficult training at Avenger Field. When did Ms. Lee learn to fly? Oh, great question, Reg. In 1932, Ms. Lee took her first airplane ride with a friend at an air show. Her passion for flight really took off from there. Ah, ha, 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 I see what you did there, mate. <laughs> she took flying lessons, eventually becoming one of the first Chinese-American women to earn a pilot's license. She achieved this dream in a time when she was faced with prejudice that could have held her back. Ahem, as a new aviator myself, I can say that it requires a lot of resilience to get up into the air. To face unfair assumptions and dislike on top of that, well, I couldn't imagine. Both Ms. G and Ms. Lee faced prejudice. They were the only two Chinese-American women in WASP, and were targeted because World War II created a lot of unfair hostility toward Asian-American people. Despite this, Ms. G and Ms. Lee continued to push forward and played an incredibly important role in paving the way for more acceptance in the field of aviation and beyond. Another excellent story of two exceptional heroes. Now, speaking of going beyond... Whoa! Whoa, Reg! You're really putting the pedal to the metal there, buddy. <sighs> yes, I was born to be wild! Let's just make sure we get to the Kennedy Space Center in one piece, okay, Reg? Righto, my boy, righto! Anyway... We're taking our story to the stars now, as we talk about our final hero for the day, Mae Jemison. Doctor, researcher, educator, you got it, Reg. And another aviation pioneer. She was the first African-American woman in space. Another boundary breaker. Like our other heroes, Mae Jemison has had to endure racism to move forward in her career as a doctor and astronaut. All of these women had to persevere against the unfair limits that society placed on them because of their race and gender. Brave aviators has never felt more apt, Jonathan. Agreed. Oh, look over there, mate. We've reached the Kennedy Space Center. Excellent. This is where Ms. Jemison trained with NASA, working on various projects and eventually receiving her first mission. She joined the crew of the Space Shuttle Endeavor, which blasted off September 12, 1992. <sighs> I wonder what it was like up there looking down at the Earth. I wonder that too, Reg. They were up there for quite a while too. 
they made 127 orbits around the Earth, logging 190 hours, 30 minutes, 23 seconds in space. Then they returned to Florida on September 20th, 1992. I heard she was one of 15 people chosen to join NASA out of over 2,000 applicants. She was. On the Endeavor, she was designated as a science mission specialist, a new astronaut role being tested by NASA to focus on scientific experiments. Ah, a curious explorer. And get this, Reg, Ms. Jemison brought a photo of Bessie Coleman with her on the shuttle. Well, I say, a true testament to the legacies of these incredible women. Oh, and I have to share one of my favorite fun facts about Ms. Jemison. After hearing that she was a fan of the show Star Trek, actor LeVar Burton asked her to appear in an episode. She became the first real astronaut to be on TNG. TNG? TNG? Oh, the next generation! I love that show! Yeah, me too. She was such a big fan, she even began her shifts in space by saying, Hailing frequencies open. A well-loved Star Trek phrase. Hmm, how utterly Uhura of her. She has done amazing work outside of NASA as well. Of course, serving as a doctor before her time as an astronaut, creating an international space camp for young students, starting a nonprofit organization, and spearheading important cosmic research to this day. Such an inspiration! We've heard about some exceptional heroes today, mate. Heroes that reached for the sky and made it there, too. Heroes that made it all the way to space. A truly successful voyage through aviation history. So, shall I prepare for landing? Hmm, well, I mean, we're already up here. <gasps> Are you saying what I think you're saying, Ensign? Ensign? Oh, oh, like in Star Trek. We shall continue to explore new worlds, to seek out new stories and hidden heroes to tell tales currently untold, to boldly go where no hedgehog has gone before. Yes, Captain, Starship Brave Aviator is operating at acceptable levels. Then let's set a course for the next story system, Warp 9. Course set, Captain. Make it so. Engage! Hidden Heroes of History is a John in Character production. This story was written by Molly Murphy and performed by Jonathan Cormer. Sound recording and production by Jermaine Hamilton at Hamilton Sound Studios. Reach out to us on Instagram or email us at dorktalestorytime at gmail.com. Find links in the show notes or go to dorktalestorytime.com. Now, go be the hero of your own story, and we'll see you next Once Upon a Time. 